Welcome, friends. My name is David. I serve here on staff with the young adult ministry called The Porch. Get excited. We are continuing this series, uh, Summer on the Mount, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons and works, really, of all time. First inaugural sermon Jesus showed up and gave. Let me read the passage we'll be in tonight. We'll dive right in. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Jesus continues the conversation around prayer that he kicked off a couple weeks ago as it relates to us, one chapter ago in the conversation for them. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Let me pray one more time, we'll dive in. Father, would you speak to us? Thank you that you are a perfect heavenly Father who's invited us to come boldly to you. Would you speak to us now through your word? Amen. Um, anyone in the uh, dental field in here? No, we have no dentists. This is like three services in a row. You guys... Nobody? Really? Dental hygiene? Dentist? There we go. We've got one dentist here. If you want to get a card after. Uh, I've got a dental appointment this, this week. It's coming up. And, um, and what's going to happen there uh, is going to happen exactly like it always happens. I'll go in and sit down. They do the x-rays. They do the annual checkup. They check the teeth. They do, you know, take out the metal utensils, look at different things. And then they'll ask me a question. And I will have the same answer that I almost always have to that question. And that is this. How often are you flossing? And I will say, like in the past three days, because I knew it was coming here, or in the past year? And, uh, and I'll go, uh, none. It really, it's been since the last time that I was in here that I haven't flossed before. And, uh, and then they'll give me the spiel on like, hey, flossing is a really big deal. It's really important. It's, it's a very valuable factor. It has all kinds of implications. You can have a heart attack if you don't floss before. And there's just huge, enormous consequences that they'll go through. And uh, kind of regardless of what happens, I pretty much leave and the same thing happens again for the next year. And that's just because I'm like, man, I've been running this offense for 30 some years. I feel like everything's okay. And, uh, and I just don't floss. And uh, honestly, I've never met a dentist or a hygienist who follows their own instructions. I always ask them, do you floss every day? <laughs> to a person, all of them have gone, no, no, I don't floss every day. It's like, uh, there, I know there's like 1% in this room right now. You're the person who flosses every day. That's you. You're the person your car registration never goes out and, and you always make sure it doesn't expire. That, that, for the rest of us, though, you know, it's not something that is always regularly a part of our life or for a lot of us. And uh, I think for me, the reason why is it's hard to see the value. It can be kind of uncomfortable and inconvenient because it's like every time I do, it's like a bloodbath in there because I haven't done it in so long. <laughs> I've been getting by kind of without it and haven't needed it that much. And I don't even know that it would really make that big of a difference, you know, kind of on things end up generally being pretty much the same every time that I go in there and check out, and, and it's great, and I'll see you next year. And the reason I start there is because today we're talking about the topic of prayer. And I think for a lot of us, and for me in particular, in different seasons in life, the way that I think about prayer is the way that, you know, flossing is a part of my dental hygiene. And the, 
what I mean by that is just like the problem is not that I don't care about, you know, my teeth and all that stuff. I care a lot about it. Brush twice a day. I had like, you know, Invisalign work done later because it was chipping teeth and I wear the retainer. Like I care about my teeth. It just is one of those things that I just don't see the value in it to floss. And I think a lot of us come into the room and, and prayer is in some ways the flossing of our spiritual life. It's like, it's not that I don't care about my spiritual health and spiritual life. Like, I'm, I read the Bible every day. I'm in a community group. I try to share my faith, uh, being authentic with people in my life. Like, those are all important things. But when it comes to prayer, like, that's probably the area I know I should do more and I need to do better at. But I just don't always see the value in it. And it just doesn't mark my life in the same way those other things do. Maybe you're finding yourself, when, when you go to pray... You find all the different to-do lists of the day. You're like, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, 15 minutes, gonna spend in prayer. And then as soon as you start, everything you need to do floods your mind immediately. And you're like, this just isn't even working. I'm not sure what I should be praying. I feel guilty about the fact that I even have a tough time praying 15 minutes. Because then I come to church and they read quotes from Martin Luther where it's like, I had so much to do, I prayed for four hours today. And you're like, I can't even make 15, I shouldn't even try this. I can't even make it 15 minutes, let alone four hours. And does it really make a difference? Like if I prayed today, would it really have changed things? Isn't God gonna do what he's gonna do anyways? And you may wrestle in the same way that flossing, wrestling with man, is prayer that really big of a deal? And today we're gonna look at Jesus' invitation about what it looks like to pray and what God calls us to pray for and how you and I can experience a, a life that includes everything that God wants, which includes prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is just talking to your heavenly father. Because just like flossing, like the tragedy, you can get away with it for 30-something years of not flossing, but I was joking with Todd last night of, uh, hey, dude, you can say that in, in your 30s, but there's gonna come a day, let's talk to you when you're 80 and toothless and things, and you do have those hard problems come up because it does come back to get to you. And in the same way, a life that is not marked with prayer or a spiritual, uh, someone pursuing the life that Christ wants that's not marked with prayer brings about not all the fullness of what God wants you to experience in your relationship with him. So for the next 25 minutes, we're gonna look at two ideas from the passage we just read that Jesus calls us to when it comes to prayer should mark our prayer life. And that's these two things. If you take notes, pray continually and trust constantly. We're to be people, as the people of God, if you're a Christian, Jesus says, hey, when it comes to your prayer life, talking to your heavenly father, which is the context of this whole thing, you're to call God your heavenly father, bring your request, that you are to pray continually and trust Constantly. So we'll dive in and look at the first idea that comes from the first two verses we read of praying continually. Why do I say that Jesus is calling us to pray continually? Look at the first two verses. He says the same thing three different ways, essentially, and he repeats it twice as if he wasn't clear enough. Hey, I want you to uh, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Because every time you ask, you receive. And every time you seek, you find. And the knock and the door will be open to you. He repeats it. He's hammering home. Hey, I want you to be persistent in going to God. Be people who are marked by prayer. All throughout the Gospels, there's multiple occasions where Jesus said, hey, let me tell you a story. And it's a story to encourage you to never stop going to God and talking to God. Pray to God. Pray to God. Pray to God. He's telling you as a Christian, God wants to have a relationship where you in constant communication, where you go to God, where you talk to him. In Luke chapter 18, there's a verse, or there's a, a parable Jesus tells, and he starts the chapter, and really the verse, or the parable, by saying this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and to never give up. What's interesting is even the word ask, seek, knock, a lot of people get you know, hung up on is, of those three different things. Really, he's just saying, go to God, go to God. Even the word seek is translated ask in John 16. So he's just saying, look, go to God, bring your request to God. Even, look at this. 
ask, seek, and knock, you know what that spells out if you make an acronym of the first letters? Ask. Bring your request to God. Dude, if you get nothing else, that is free. That is a, that, everyone got their money's worth by just taking that. Now when you look at this passage, you're like, oh, he's saying to ask. That God wants you to bring your request to him. And in particular, type of request we can talk about in a second, but God wants a relationship where you feel the freedom as a child. Man, I can bring my request and I can talk to my heavenly father knowing that the door is always open. Matthew 7, 11, 7 through 11 is these verses. Uh, it's been pointed out by lots of different you know, people along the years that, hey, 7-Eleven is a uh, gas station that is always open. This is a passage that tells you God's door is always open. Matthew 7, 11, which is huge. Hey, that's, that's back-to-back, people. That's two things. You got your money's worth. And uh, it's huge because it tells us that the heart of God is like, hey, I want you to come and knock on my door, and the door's always open. Come and knock on my door. I want you to come and knock on my door, and you're going to find that the door is always open. I'm always wanting to have a relationship with you. In fact, I'm knocking on your door, your door to have a relationship. And he, he is very, operates very differently than most of us operate, um, even in our own lives, when somebody knocks on our door. And I think some of us think that kind of, that's what God is like. What do I mean by that? Like, think about when somebody knocks on your door today, we pretty much all do the same thing for most of us. Like, versus like 20 years ago when somebody knocked on your door and you didn't know they were coming over and you're hanging out as a family, we're, you know, we're watching something on TV, we're hanging out, eating food, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. Everyone's like, oh, somebody's at the door. Let's go see who's at the door. Okay. Oh, hey, it's Bill and Beverly. Bill and Beverly are coming. Come on in, Bill and Beverly. You guys sitting out? We're just hanging out and watching TV. Want some soup? We're going to sit down, have a little brunch together. Join us. We're going to sit down, have a little Sarah Lee cake. We're, you know, lose track of time before pagers and before cell phones and before any of that stuff. And we just spend the whole day together. And then the end of the time, you lose track of time. They'd, they'd walk out and they'd be like, man, we got to do this again. You'd be like, Bill, the door is always open. You guys come over. Versus today. Today, when somebody knocks at the door, <laughs> the same thing happens every time. It's like you're hanging out, watch TV. Did you invite someone over? Did anyone invite anybody over? Then somebody from the back comes and they're, they're like doing laundry. They don't even know what's happening. They're like, hey, where's the detergent? And you're like, shh, oh no. All right, great. They know somebody's in here right now. Everybody play cool. And you just try to wait long enough to hopefully they'll go away. Even if somebody calls and is in the neighborhood, it's not like Bill and Beverly come in. They have to call at least from outside or maybe a few streets over to give you a heads up and get permission to advance towards the home. Because the door is not always open. And none of us would say it this way. But I think a lot of us think that God is like that. That when you ask and you knock, it doesn't seem like he's going to respond. He doesn't even want to respond. He doesn't care about you. That he's ignoring you. And the Bible says, man, that is not the case. Your heavenly father loves you. He wants you to ask to come to him to bring those requests and know that the door is always open. Is he saying that every time you ask, he will always give you what you want? I mean, that's the interpretive challenge of the text, right? It seems like, hey, if you ask, you receive, seek, find, knock the door open. Is he saying that every time, no matter what you ask for, that that's what God is saying? No. And how great is that? I mean, how, I, if that was the case, 
How many things in life would we have asked God for that we look back on in life and we're like, oh man, I really dodged a bullet there. All of us would be married to the girl in sixth grade that we took to that dance. There's so many times that in our life we would have just asked. It's a really, honestly, good thing because there's times we don't even know what we need. What is Jesus saying there? What are the things that you can ask for and you can know without a shadow of a doubt these are the things that God is going to always answer. He's always going to let you receive. Well, repeatedly, Jesus says, hey, if you ask in this way, you're going to get it every time. He has a qualifier over and over throughout the Gospels. In the New Testament, Jesus would say, and he would say it in two ways. If you ask it according to my will for your life, you can know that that's going to happen. He would say it another way. It's essentially saying the same thing. If you ask in my name, you ever heard this before? If you ask it in my name, which essentially means in line with my will. It doesn't mean just adding that to your prayer. It means ask it in aligned with my will. Those are the things that are going to happen. When your ask intersects with God's will, those are the things that he's promised. I'm going to give you those things. You're going to see my will for your life. Jesus would say this in John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. You may ask, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In John 15, verse 7, it says, if you remain in me, or if you abide in me, and I in you, whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. That Jesus says, hey, if you are so connected to me, you can bring the request to me, and when they align with my will, those are the things that are going to be done for you. But you're still invited as a Christian. You can bring your ask and your request and your things to God, and you can trust him when, he doesn't, uh, when his will doesn't align with those things. Jesus gives us the perfect example, really, of what this looks like, where he says, man, I'm going to give my ass to God, and yet I'm going to trust his will and, what it looks, and whatever he has for me. If he doesn't give me the ask in the way that I want, I'm going to trust his will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, in Mark chapter 14, we're told that Jesus goes, and he's praying before the Father, and he says, man, let me, let me make abundantly clear. This is what I want. This is my ask. These are my desires. And he says this, Abba, Father, Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup, the crucifixion, from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. God, I'm going to bring my request. Make no doubt about it. I'm going to ask, will you take this away from me? But at the end of the day, I trust you, and your will be done. As Christians, we have been invited to say, God, I'm going to bring my ask to you. At the end of the day, your will is better for me. You know what I need before I even ask for it, and I'm going to trust you to bring about your good and sovereign will in my life. He says, you could take it to the bank every single time, but do not make the mistake that most Christians make, which is failing to ask. James, the baby brother of Jesus, would come on later and further emphasize this idea that, man, bring those requests to God. And if you don't receive them, you can know that it just wasn't a part of God's will in that moment, but don't stop asking. He would say this in James chapter four, verse two. You do not have because you don't ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. You don't align with the will of God that you may spend it on your pleasures. Two problems inside of our body is that we don't ask and then oftentimes we ask and the reason why we don't receive is because we're not asking for the right thing always. But God has invited you, side note, you can bring your things to God, whatever's weighing you down. You can pour your heart out to God. This is what I want. Take this cup of singleness from me. Take this cup of infertility. Take this cup of just uh, our financial situation being so hard. God, bring those things to me. You've been invited to ask, to ask, to ask. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, God says, cast everything that you care about 
or cast all of your anxiety, the same word is translated in the ESV, all of your cares, on the God who cares for you. What do you think he means by cast if it's not pray? I mean, nobody would be like, yeah, throw them on the God. Clearly he's saying, bring everything you care about to God because God cares about you. You have a heavenly father who cares. You don't have to hide and act like the things that you really want in a moment are more spiritual than they are. Like so often we feel like we have to pretend before God and it's, it's honestly just weird and not genuine. Or we feel like we have to like downshift into King James Version when we pray of like, our father if, who art in heaven, if, today if, maketh it greatest for you. If. And we don't feel like we can just say, hey God, I feel like we're, we're struggling making ends meet. I'm struggling today with singleness. I really don't believe that you're as good as you say you are. All of those things, just pray honest prayers. Maybe that's the third thing, just for free, that you can walk away with, if nothing else. That God wants a relationship. You know what you can't have? A relationship if you're not real. You think God doesn't want you to be able to be honest with him? You could be honest with your, your friend you haven't seen from college when you're catching up on the phone about, man, I'm thinking about this job and I don't like this, and you think you can't be that way with God? Who already knows that? You think about that. I, I've, I've sat down with people who have said, I feel like I'm struggling with singleness, but I don't want to pray, God, will you please bring me a spouse? Because then he won't bring me a spouse because he want me to be okay with not having a spouse before he gives me a spouse. <laughs> it's like, do you really think that that maneuvering works from God? He sees everything, right? <laughs> like he knows everything about what you want, what you don't want, what you're trying to act like you don't want, Right? but there's something inside of us that thinks that, man, God doesn't, he's too busy to be bothered. He doesn't really care. These are two small, mundane things. I need to just pray for starving children and, you know, more Bible. And those are great things to pray for, but the God who's there wants a relationship with you. And Jesus says, man, you can ask, and if you ask, and you know what happens? The more you grow in your relationship with God, the more that you ask for things, and God just begins to change the ask that you make. And over time, he goes from, hey, God, give me a boat to, man, will you give me more of you? Will you deepen my love for you, my trust in you? And Jesus says, ask, ask, pray continually. Bring your requests to me. It's not dissimilar. Or in, in the Bible, it's almost as though you can have a gift registry with God, bring him all of your asks. You may not get all of them, but you can bring him your asks. You guys know what I mean by that? You know what a gift registry is? Good. Okay, gift registry is what you do whenever you're getting married or you're having a baby. It's like the coolest part of living in the 2000s, getting married. And, um, uh, and I know they had gift registries before 2000, so I just insulted everyone. But part of the gift registry today is that when you get a gift registry today, you're going to Bed Bath & Beyond, and I don't know how you register for things in the old there were times, uh, but today, <laughs> and the, no, I don't even, there's no way to save that. And today, when you go to get Bed Bath & Beyond, here's what you get to look forward to if you're engaged or you ever get engaged someday, is they give you a laser gun. And you get to walk around, and it's like duck hunting Bed Bath & Beyond for all the different things that you want. And you select those different things, you fill out the list, and then you send it to your friends like, look, don't worry about getting us anything, but if you do, these would be the things we'd like. And then hopefully, they give you it for your baby or for your wedding. And, um, and with God, he's saying, bring your request. You're not gonna get everything on the list. You might not get... Most of it, I don't know, but you can bring that request to God. And you can trust me when something doesn't appear in the way that you hoped or wished it would. The gift analogy is really, a gift registry analogy is kind of a perfect one because I think um, for most of us or many of us, there's always that person when we put the list together, send it out to the friends, they get that list and they're like, 
yeah, I'm not doing any of these. I got something for them. And they get all excited. And this is the same person who like makes homemade gifts. And uh, like, I'm going to make this out of recyclables. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And um, <laughs> maybe this is just me in my life. But uh, can we all agree the percentage of people on planet Earth who should be making things at home as gifts is pretty small. And, uh, and I am insulting people right now. Just food for thought. You're probably in that percentage. But a lot of us are not. So anyways... There's always a person who goes off the gift registry, and really why is because they're just not good at getting gifts. They're kind of a bad gift giver. And is that what God is? Is he bad at giving gifts? When he doesn't give something that's on the list, and he does give something, you're like, man, I did not ask for this. And Jesus tells us emphatically no. In the next verses, we'll read them as we dive into trusting constantly. Which of you, when it comes to asking, if your son asked you for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, and he's not just throwing shade unnecessarily, he's drawing a contrast between human fathers and a perfect heavenly father. And saying as good as whatever dad you have or dad you didn't have, Every earthly father, even the best one, by comparison to God, is evil because he's perfect. He's the perfection, not the reflection of our earthly fathers. And if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I want you to think about that verse for a second. How crazy, how powerful, and honestly, beyond our ability to understand, is that truth? He looks around and he says, look, even the best or even the worst or even every earthly father out there, when their son comes up to him and is like, Dad, hey, can I please have something to eat? I need some bread. He wouldn't turn around and be like, oh, yeah, here's a stone. No one would do that. (laughs) I mean, that's what he says. That every father, most fathers out there, there's exceptions always, but for the most part, most of us, like we love giving things to our kids. You love giving gifts, and, as, and you're broken and evil and infallible, and even the worst of father gets delight about, hey, man, I want to do good towards my children. I wouldn't give them a snake when they ask for fish. And Jesus says, you're evil. By comparison to God, you may not even realize that and fully think of it that way, but God is perfect. He's perfect in goodness and love. You think he would do anything less than what you would do? By comparison, God would do far more. He never give a stone. And the reason I say trust continually is because as we live the Christian life, I don't know how you can live it without having a deep trust that my father only gives good gifts. There's nothing bad, and if it is, it didn't come from him. And no matter what I walk through, as broken as the circumstances in life are, my father gives good gifts. It takes tremendous faith. In the face of pain, and in the face, candidly, of just the brokenness and sin in our world, to hold on to the fact that, hey, whatever this is, if it's not good, it's not from God, or, It's good, and I just can't fully understand how it's all gonna work out, and that God, everything he allows, he redeems, because it's gonna be good. 
because he only gives good things. Inside of the room right now, I know that there is pain that without having a deep sense of faith that God is at work, everything that is broken, he's gonna redeem, he's using, and he will work for good. You can't believe it. You have a good, loving, heavenly father. What I mean, I, I was reading through our um, first impressions, which is just the card that if you fill out that Watermark News and you go turn that in, um, we'd love to connect with you, and people do that every single week, and sometimes they include prayer requests, and our staff loves to get a chance to follow up and to call and to pray for and so if you fill that out, that's gonna happen. And every single week, we'll you know, get distributed. They'll send out the list to our staff and encourage or tell you, hey, reach out to this person. And I was reading through the past couple weeks and the pain represented just by the people, not in the room, but who wrote, I could use prayer. It, I mean, it's like palpable. The amount of pain in a room this size is beyond anything any one of us could handle, fully grasp, fully understand. Let me give you some examples. Here was a few of them. Please pray for my husband. He has stage four lung cancer. Pray for all of this to pass peacefully. Another one. I was diagnosed two years ago with an aggressive breast cancer. I have maintenance scan this week. Maintenance scans this week. Please pray that they're clear. Pray for courage. Pray that I'd see God in this and remain faithful. This has been a scary and lonely road. And yet I've seen God's goodness. Another said, my daughter has been so depressed and having suicidal thoughts. Will you please pray for Christ to win in her life? Another, please pray for the peace of God. When I read the impact statement at the sentencing of the person who murdered my brother. Another said, I underwent a clinical trial for cancer and I've been cancer free for a year, but I just found out this week it's back. Will you please pray for the chemo that it would be effective. And God doesn't, give cancer and he doesn't give things like that they're a part of the brokenness of our world but it still takes hope and trust because I can say he doesn't give it he allows and and when you're in those moments I don't even know it makes a difference and it takes faith to trust man my heavenly father is a good perfect loving father this life is a vapor for all of eternity I'm going to see that he proved his love for me by dying in my place on the cross and I can trust him and I'm going to hold on to that truth he only gives good things He's not giving me a stone. The brokenness of life or this world and sin, sin entered it, it may look like a stone, but it's either not from God or someday I'm gonna see he was working it together for good. I was talking with a friend this week on our staff and he was sharing about how important and meaningful this passage had been for him. He said, there was a time in my life where I just really wrestled with like, how could this be anything other than a stone? He said, my dad got diagnosed with cancer when he was 40. It's pancreatic cancer. He was a pastor and uh, he had ran a ministry and we were over in Kenya. Our family was over in Kenya. We were doing ministry work and he got sick over there and so we flew him back to the States and didn't think it was anything really serious. Sometimes you get sick when you're traveling internationally and, and just things can happen. And the doctor came and the doctor said, he's got pancreatic cancer at 40. An incredible anomaly. And they began to do treatment, and they walked through it, and, and he was cancer-free. And then he went back for one of his scans, and the doctor said, it's back, and it's spread to your liver, and you've got seven months. And he said, I, how is that anything other than a stone? He said, with a little bit of time and perspective, and just by God 
continuing to help me see that he only gives good things, that he, he allows, he redeems everything that he allows. It's not him giving me a snake. He said, I began to even see, though imperfectly, God redeeming and using the worst moments in my life. I mean, the very worst. I mean, just losing my dad. My dad's never gonna see me get married someday. He's never gonna hold his grandchildren someday. He's never gonna see me finish school. I gotta figure out all of this all on my own. And he's a good heavenly father. He said, I began to see, like, I got a little further through it. Even the worst pain, God was using it for good. He said, we held an event. I had just entered into college and we held an event on my campus. It was called Finishing Strong. How a dying man feels more alive than ever before. And almost 2,000 people came and hundreds of them trusted in Christ. And then I began to realize that my prayer, God, will you heal my dad? Will you heal my dad? Will you heal my dad? It was answered. Not in the way that I would have asked or wanted, but he was home. He was in heaven and he was healed. I know in the room and in the situations I just read and everything that's going on, it's not always that easy to connect the dots. It's not always that clear how God is at work redeeming the worst of circumstances. But I know that he's promised he will. And I know that he promised he is. And whatever brokenness, maybe you invited brokenness into your own life, in your marriage, or in having a child out of Circumstances that were not in line with God's best. And he's promised, hey, you can trust me, turn to me, surrender to me, and whatever brokenness is there, I can use it for good. I'm a God who brings about good, who is good, and I only give good things to my children. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, it says this. God has made or is making and will make everything beautiful in its time. Everything that seems so fractured and chaotic and just how can this all be a part of your plan, God? There's gonna come a day where he says, you're gonna see it was all beautiful. I'm gonna make it beautiful in its time. Romans chapter eight, verse 28, a verse lots of us know. We've heard before there's a promise that Paul picks up further and emphasizes this idea that we know that in everything, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, that no matter what you're facing, and I wouldn't pretend that I have all the answers or even understand everything you're walking through. I'll give you some solution. This is exactly how what God is doing and how the good's gonna come. I have no idea. But I do know that there's gonna come a time and a moment and a day where you're gonna be able to see from heaven's perspective, he was weaving together something that you go, man, it was good. It was hard, it was painful. This life is like a vapor and for all of eternity, I'm gonna see he was good and he was at work. When I see it from above, not long ago, I got uh, a chance to go, or I got invited with some friends who had tickets to an A&M football game. And I went to the game, get excited, and I uh, got to sit like on the ground level, like on the, on the kind of first couple rows. It was awesome, and you watch the game, and, and then the band comes out at halftime. And I don't know if you know anything about A&M or the, the band, this is not just any band. They make a big deal about the band. This is a fighting Texas Aggie band, and so you don't leave. Most people during the halftime, you're like, let's go get nachos. Not here. Uh, it's like we watch them and, and they're getting after it, even though it's kind of like just a normal band. But I digress there. And so they come out on the field, they begin to walk around and they're, they're going, <laughs> I'm an Aggie. You're listening to me? Let's be honest. We all know that's true. Let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> they're walking on the field and at the ground level, I've never seen it like this. 
it's so chaotic. What do I mean? I mean, you're like, you're like just seeing kind of all the different people going different directions. You see the tuba coming over here. You see the trombone coming out. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what's happening right now? The drummer's going. You're like, this is so, it looks like just ant pile kicked over of band members. And it doesn't look like anybody knows what they're doing. This is so chaotic and, and pandemonium. And then you look up at the screen. And when you see it from above, you see it's like they're spelling something out. See purpose and intentionality and everything that looks so dysfunctional and chaotic on the ground. And what are they doing? When you look from a higher angle, it's like there was purpose. There was intention. And I don't know, friends, what you're going through. I do know that if you're a believer, God has promised you this. There will come a day where you're going to see it from above. And everything chaotic and everything dysfunctional and everything broken. You're going to see he was using for your good. Maybe you're in a situation where you didn't, you brought that on yourself. And he's saying to you, as he says all throughout the Bible, if you surrender to him, he's a God who works that together for your good. And he's a God who makes the brokenness of sin and cancer beautiful in its time. Tim Keller, who's a pastor, said this, that God will either give us what we would ask for or what we ask for in prayer, or he gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that God knows. God either gives us what we ask for in prayer or he gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that God does because he's a good father. He only gives good things and he loves you when he proved that love and he proved that he gives the best things by sending his son to die in your place. I said earlier that there's always that person who goes off the registry and, and sometimes it's because they're, they're just not great at giving gifts. And there's another type of person who goes off the registry. It's a person who looks at kind of the list and they're like, hey, you know, we can get them that or we can get them this, but here's what we, we've got to get them this because we're a little further down the road you know, we've been married for a while or we've had kids for a while and they don't even know to ask for this, but they're gonna need this. And this happened with us. We had a friend that, you know, we went through the baby shower, had our, our first son and, and uh, a few years ago and, and we had that list together and they came up and they, they'd gotten something off the registry and then they're like, hey, and then I got you this. And it was just like particular type of bassinet and they're like, you don't even know to ask for this, but when the baby's screaming at three in the morning, this is the bassinet you're gonna want. And so I'm just doing you a favor. You don't even know to ask for it, but because I've been there, I've seen it, I know what's coming, this is what you're gonna need and what you're gonna want. And I remember thinking, or in the moment, you're like, okay, why don't you just get us the bassinet we asked for? And, uh, and then a few weeks went by, and that stage, if you've had little kids, of course, you know the insanity of like, oh, man, we will try anything right now, including putting Benadryl in here, get them to sleep. And, <laughs> and it was like, well, let's put them in their other bassinet. And he slept like a champ. I mean, it was like a game changer. And um, we never would have even asked for it. But they knew. Hey, I'm telling you, you don't even know to ask. You don't even know what you need. I'm getting this for you. And the Bible says, as crazy as that is, or as crazy as it sounds, in a similar way, it seems as though God works in a similar way. You don't even know what you need, but I'm a God who's at work, and I'm going to bring it about, and I'm bringing things you wouldn't even know to ask for yet. 
but you would if you knew everything I knew. And Luke, and I'll close here. He punctuates this idea of like, hey, pray continually, trust constantly. And he says a very similar passage. He uses some of the similar language and, and he almost has an identical sentence in the sentence. And here's, I'm gonna read it. It's from Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It says, hey, if you then, same, talking about prayer, if you then know you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give, good, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke says, man, God loves, like any good dad, giving good things. But you know what he loves doing the best or doing the most? Giving the best thing, which is himself. He reflects that and displays that by giving his own life for you, for me, for every person who's ever lived, that he's a God who's out there, who's not distant, not far off. In fact, the language used in the text of seeking and knocking and wanting a relationship is reflective of exactly what Jesus says he came to do. He says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, I came to seek and save the lost. Why am I here? That's why. I came to seek. In Revelation chapter three, verse 20, it says that he stands at the door of every human heart and he knocks wanting to come into their life and have a relationship with them. He's not distant, he's not far off, and he embodies all the different things that he invites us to have with him. He's a God who's seeking and knocking at the door of your life. And if you've never trusted or accepted that free gift, the God who's there is not angry at you, He's in love with you and wants a relationship with you and he proved it by dying in your place. Today is your day. And the God who's there is seeking you like he's seeking all of us and he's knocking at the door of your heart right now. And even the fact that you're here today and a friend invited you and you just kind of stumbled in is reflective of the fact that God has not forgotten you. He's seeking you. And if you're listening to this at a later time, that's the same thing that's going on. Because our God loves giving good things to his children, but he loves all. Do not mistake giving the best thing. You know what's crazy? It's like the more you like grow as a Christian, the more you develop, the more you get to know Jesus and the more you walk with him and the more you spend time with him and you get to know him and you spend time with his word and you walk with his people, it's like something in your heart begins to shift. It's like the things that you desire and the things you ask for, it's like they begin to change. And, and you know that you kind of stop going from, hey, God, this week will you give me a promotion and finally can you get me just that raise and, and will you help this person to get healthy, all of which you should pray for and those are great things. But you begin to go, my God, all these things are great. But I want you. I want more of you. You're the best thing in this life. All those things, like they, they're all good things and you need them and we need food and we need clothes on our back and all this, God, thank you for all of us. But more than anything, at the end of the day, I just want you. And the more you grow and the more you pursue God, it's like that begins to shift. And a lot of us, you've experienced it. No parent in this room wants anything different for their kids. I want a lot of things for my children. I want them to be healthy. I want them to have a great life. But more than anything else, I want them to know Jesus. And more than anything else, the God who's there wants you to know him and walk with him. And that ultimately is the thing that, man, above anything else, I don't know that we want anything else more. The more you grow with, in your relationship with God, the more you see that, you realize that. You're all, you're all I've ever wanted. I want more of you. And the God who's there, and every page of the Bible, every page and every story in this life is proved and is showing and is pursuing. He wants you. You. 
me pray. Father, thank you that you are God who's patient with us, who hasn't given up on us, who allows us to come to you with everything trivial in our life. And you're also a God who wants more than anything to give us the best thing, which is you. And so would you help us, no matter what we're walking through, to believe that, to receive that. Pray for anyone who's never trusted in Jesus now. Their heart would be burdened by the fact that there's a God knocking on the door of their heart, saying, I chose you. I love you. I, you know, I died for you. And I want to spend eternity with you. And I paid the way. Will you accept it? I pray for anyone who's walking through really painful circumstances, God. That you would be bigger and more near to them than the pain. That they would experience a just tremendous trust that I can trust continually. My God in heaven, he only gives good things. And you would make us people who embrace and pursue the best thing, you, with every day of our life. Father, we love you. We worship you now in song. Amen.